Hello and welcome to another episode of the China Path podcast. James Scullin here from the Australia China Business Council. In 2020, China's population is expected to reach 1.4 billion, 248 million of whom will be over 60 years of age. This rapid growth in an aging population presents China with a demographic challenge that looks to reshape traditional norms of how the family takes care of the elderly in a new modern China. At the same time, China's evolving middle class demands high quality services, world class medical technology, and experienced healthcare workers to care for the aged. By 2020, the central government aims to provide an increased number of aged care beds and a workforce of 10 million aged care workers. As a world leader in the professional service of aged care, Australia has an opportunity to play a pivotal role in helping China develop its aged care capacity. Indeed, under the China-Australia Free Trade Agreement, Australia now has unique access to China's healthcare market and can now operate in China without the need of a local partner. On this episode, we speak with Carol Allen from Sapphire Holdings on how Australian aged care providers are taking advantage of Australia's aged care expertise in China. We discuss Sapphire International's aged care facility, currently under construction in Beijing's pristine Fragrant Hills, the experience of working with local partners on the ground in China, and the unique differences in training and educating China's aged care workers. Carol joined the Sapphire Group board in 2003, and in 2015 became CEO of Sapphire International Holdings to oversee international strategy and operation. With more than 30 years' experience in the community sector, Carol's passion is to change the way aged care is delivered. She's now formed a team of highly committed and experienced managers who share her vision, and are currently working with her to take this vision into China. I hope you enjoy our discussion. With Carol Allen, the CEO of Sapphire International. Thanks a lot for taking the time today, Carol. Pleasure. Carol, firstly, how long has Sapphire Holdings been around in Australia, and what are its main domestic operations here? Sapphire Holdings Group、um, was established in 2003,、mm-hmm. where we started operating aged care、um, in Melbourne, and that then. Expanded into doing residential aged care and then home care as well. In 2006, we bought into a company called Blue Cross, and I took on the role of the CEO of Blue Cross. And at that stage, it had ten aged care centres. Recently, or about five years, yeah, five years ago, we started our own company called Sapphire Care,、mm-hmm. and. Last year, we merged the two companies, Blue Cross and Sapphire Care. So we now operate thirty-three aged care centres, and all of them are in and around Melbourne.、Mm. What about Sapphire International? How did that first come about? That came about when I retired as the CEO of Blue Cross,、okay. and talking to one of our other directors, we decided that there was we'd had a lot of interest in Chinese companies. Contacting us, wanting to come and have a look at what we were doing,、um, wanting to know if we wanted to sell our business, and so we decided that with the with the demographic information that we had about China, that it would be interesting and in looking at what the potential was.、Mm. So I took on the role of Sapphire International CEO, 
and started travelling to China. The first year really was just doing research, meeting a lot of different yeah. companies, developers, talking to people, seeing what they wanted, having a look at what aged care was actually like in China as well. So I've probably looked at about 20, 30 aged care centres in China. Okay. And the outcome of that was when we looked at what was being provided and what we could provide, we thought there was an opportunity there that we could get into working with a Chinese company and developing aged care. We made the decision right at the beginning that we wouldn't go in on our own yep. because a couple of reasons, the language, the, the cultural differences, the the government and the, the political environment that we were working in and we needed to have a Chinese company that knew how the system worked. So Sapphire Holdings Group and Sunjin have established a JV in China. Yes. How did you go about settling on Sunjin as a partner and, and what was the whole JV due diligence process like? Well, that probably took us about over 12 months. We, we met them the first year that I started um, going to China. So they hadn't come to Australia? They, they had come to Australia, but they hadn't met with us. Okay. So initially I met with them and then they sent a couple of people over here and Sanjin has... Sanjin is a subsidiary of Fosan, which is a big multinational company, and they had an office in Sydney. Yep. I think they still do. Okay. And so the Sydney people came down and met with us, and then we had a delegation from China came and met with us here. Then we went through a process of discussing what we could do, how we could work together. We had a number of variations. They were very keen to have a JV um, established. We did a lot of due diligence and who the company was, what was its background, yep. what was its stability. And we felt that it, it had the resources and it seemed to be very um, set on opening aged care in China and would be agreeable to using a an international model. Okay. We weren't the first company that they had looked at, but we were probably the first company that um, were able to come to a final agreement about what our JV would look like. Relationships are often described as vital in doing business with Chinese partners. How important have personal relationships been in your relationship with Sunjin? Yes, they've been, they've been very important. We've probably got one person who's, who we started initially talking to yep. um, nearly three years ago. Of the many people that we've had discussions with, a lot of them have come and gone. Okay. And so there's, there's a high turnover uh, in, in the people that we've been meeting with. Yeah which has been difficult because we build a relationship with a person and then 
suddenly we find they're gone and somebody else has taken the place and okay. then we have to go back again and, and start that. Once we'd signed the JV, which we signed in May last year, we then engaged a Australian architect um, firm to come and work with us. Mm, okay. And that was Thompson Adset. They had their local architect working for the company. We're now up to about architect number four. Oh, okay. From, from, from the Sanjin side. Right, okay. Which has made, which has presented its challenges because what we were doing was a very different building based on the Chinese model. Okay. Which is still probably what Australia had 15 years ago. Okay. So mainly double rooms, four bed, four bed wards, um, a very medical model. Yeah. And Australians' model now is is much more based on wellness, on lifestyle, on making people's lives living in aged care uh, still active and and one that they can still enjoy life. What stage is the Chinese aged care industry currently at? And how much has this industry changed in recent times from what you understand? So the, the Chinese um, aged care is, is, is really a new concept mm. because of the, um, the, 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 the whole structure of China is that the children are responsible for their parents. And there is an expectation that as you age, your children will care for you or your grandchildren will care for you. With the one-child policy, it's meant that there are not as many children around now to care for their, their grandparents mm. and their parents. And also, because of the changes in China and so many of the sort of younger generations are now travelling overseas, having schooling overseas, going to university and getting jobs overseas. There's a large population of Chinese who would be at home looking after their children now mm. living overseas. Yeah. So the government realised probably seven, seven years ago okay. that they needed to do something because there were a lot of ageing people who weren't being cared for properly and there were some incidences where you know people would be found dead had been living alone in an apartment and nobody found them for weeks and mm. weeks and that sort of spurred them on to start saying we need to see how we can care for our age there is still a, a, a very strong feeling in in the Chinese community that it's they should be looking after their children. Mm. And that's been one of our cultural challenges, is how would we market aged care to that community who has a large amount of guilt about putting their parent into, or grandparent into an aged care centre. So when you say that there's that expectation of looking after children, do you mean there's the expectation for the parents to move in with the children? Yes, yes. Rather than looking after being the children paying for an aged care facility where the parents can live at. Yes, yes. So it is the expectation that, you know, they'll either have them living next door or they'll move into the family home, which is often very small. Mm. And and so to put your parents into an aged care centre is seen as being a bad a bad 
grandson or a bad daughter. Right, okay. Um, and, and, and so how have you tackled that in your marketing? The way, the way that we're promoting our centre is that this is a, a very exclusive high-end aged care centre where not only will we provide for medical care, we'll also provide a, a lifestyle that they wouldn't get living in a small apartment and isolated. Okay. The, our, our main focus is on the social well-being of people. So how can they continue to enjoy life? How can we make them look at this stage of their journey as not the end of the journey and they've come to come into an aged care centre to die? Our story is you've come into an aged care centre where you're going to live. You're going to do new things. You're going to have new friends and new experiences, and that's how we're promoting it. The other um, area that we're promoting, and again with our research that we did into China, was there was very little understanding about dementia. Mm. Okay. And, and what dementia was. In China, it, it was seen as a mental illness, so that if somebody had dementia, they needed to go into a mental asylum and needed to be, you know, secured away from the general population. Right. What we're saying is dementia is part of the process of ageing, mm. and we can care for those people in a good environment where they're not physically restrained or chemically restrained, which is what we saw a lot of. So, yes, we will have specialist care in dementia and this is something that is now becoming a topic that people are able to talk about and, and are very interested in learning. Mm. So you have the beautiful Fragrant Hills project currently under construction in Beijing. Yes. Um, What's the different value proposition of an international aged care facility in China to a Chinese consumer? Does this have a greater appeal for these parents who are maybe reticent to move into an aged care facility? The fact that it's managed from a foreign company and has that prestige, does that appeal to those potential customers? From the market research that's been done by Fasan and Sanjin, mm. they feel that um, to have an international company working with them in partnership, that it will raise the status. A lot of um, people in China know about Australia. Yep. They've been to Australia on holiday. Um, they have a relative or family member living in Australia. And and they think that they like Australia and they like the services that we deliver. It's it's interesting. We d we've had a family who have contacted us with a parent they want to bring into the aged care centre, and the daughter actually came to Melbourne, had a look at our aged care centres here, came back, went back to China, and said yes, she wanted to put her her father into aged oh, care. Oh right, okay. So we do believe that the bringing the Australian model of care into China is something that people are looking for. And so when do you see the Fragrant Hill site opening? <laughs> um, I laugh because it was supposed to open in October. Okay. 
and it has been delayed for various reasons. Some of them are related to the government and the building restrictions and yep. the, the process that we have to go through with buildings. And the other is just that although they, they have unlimited labour, it still takes a long time to build an aged care centre. Okay. And so we are now anticipating it'll open in in July. You mentioned that you've had Australian architects involved. Mm. What other Australian sectors have been involved? Um, will the staff at Fragrant Hills be trained in Australia or are there other ways of collaboration between uh, China and Australia with aged care? Yes, there's a lot of opportunities for training the aged care staff here in China. There's a lot of the universities are now looking at how they can build relationships with other universities in China mm. and, and together developing training packages. We're, we're doing two things. One is we're bringing somebody over from Australia who is a, an aged care trainer and she'll be working with us and training all of our staff. We'll use the basic certificate three, which is the personal care training, and all of our staff will be trained at the same standard as they would be if they were working here oh, right. in, okay. yep. in Australia. We're also um, we're running an exchange program for the nurses, the registered nurses here, who have a... a a shorter qualifying period to become a registered nurse, they will come and work in our aged care centres in mm. Melbourne okay. and and understand our policies, procedures, our, our processes. We've also developed a software pro care program which is based on the Australian model where we have um, worked with a an IT developer, and we now have a, a Chinese care program, which is based on the Australian standards, so the accreditation standards that we have here, okay. and and it it will then provide the same kind of assessments and level of care, medication management, wound management that we would do here in Australia. So, Carol, you're spending a lot of time in China at the moment, trying to get the Fragrant Hills project opening. Um, what are the differences that you see in setting up an aged care facility in China com compared to Australia? One of the big differences is the project management of a, of, a, um, of, a, of, a, of a building. So in Australia, when we build, we, we, have, um, we have all of our plans. We go through a process and they get passed by the council, then we engage a project manager that monitors and supports the project and reports to us on a monthly basis. In China, it's very different. Okay. So we've had two builders involved. Um, the government regulations are challenging, <laughs> yes. We, we go through a different licensing process. Although initially we had to provide our plans, yeah. they have come back to us and said that we can't do this or we can't do that. And one of the things that's been a problem for us is the landscaping. And we were going to have a beautiful garden on the rooftop and three-quarters of the way through the 
the planning, we got notified by the government officials that they weren't sure that we could have a rooftop garden because the people from the Summer Palace might look at it and see something different and they didn't want to upset the president. So they were reluctant to give us the the go-ahead to do our our rooftop garden. Fragrant Hills in Beijing is a very um, auspicious area. It's very close to the Summer Palace. Do you think that brings additional challenges at at, at this phase of construction? (laughs) Yes, it it certainly has. Um, also, when the president has um, his congresses and his big meetings in China, yep. all of the um, developments and, and, and a lot of the manufacturing has to stop so they can clean the air for the, for the meetings. Yep. So just before Christmas, we had to stop work for six weeks okay. while they had their congress to, to decide whether Xi Jinping would stay on as a permanent president and so that set us back six weeks so there are those sort of um, hurdles we have to deal with and also the the licensing process is very different as well okay and we we don't we we have to get a final building certificate before we can open the aged care center Okay. And so that may come in one month or six months. We 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 aren't able to say once the building is finished, then we'll get our license. So there are extenuating circumstances that will have you know cause us some problems. With regards to care, um, you mentioned dementia being an area where China is evolving and. And, and learning more mm. about. Um, are there other health areas that are a challenge implementing in an aged care facility in China that may be quite standard in Australia and that you're trying to educate Chinese people about in aged care facilities in China? Yes. Um, the Chinese models are very medical models. So they consider that if you have to come into aged care, then you must be sick. Yeah. We consider that if you have to come in to an aged care home, you need support and assistance. One of the things in China when you go into an aged care, they first thing they do is they put you in a wheelchair mm. and they don't expect that you will walk around. Okay. In Australia, you would probably see that probably 5%, 6% of the people in an aged care home would be in, in wheelchairs. Yep. They would A lot of them would have a walking frame but they would be encouraged to get up every morning, get out of their rooms, walk around, do exercises, come down to a dining room to do meals, um, to have their meals. A lot more social interaction and activities to keep a, their brains active as mm. well as their bodies. Yeah. So our focus is on how do we how do we keep people interested in life and stimulated and even people with dementia. There's a lot of research showing now that with activities that you can provide for people with dementia, you can delay the progress of it. And in fact, in some areas, Mm. you can actually stop the dementia increasing. So that is all very new to China. Okay. And, And when we go and talk to people, we say, no no wheelchairs. We're not going to have wheelchairs. People are going to walk. And they say, oh, no, 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 they can't walk. They can't walk. We say, yes, they can walk. Right. And, and it's trying to get our view across in a way that doesn't 
alienate us from from the the Chinese culture. Being sympathetic and understanding that our views may be different, but we have to work with them in a way that is a is a is a progression to. We're not going to be able to take the Australian model and take it and put it straight into a Chinese aged care centre. No. It'll, there'll be a transition and probably in four to five years you will see that aged care in China is very similar to what we're doing in, in Australia well, now. Definitely having that exchange program of having nurses and aged care providers come to Australia and work with Sapphire aged care facilities surely would go a long way into yes. helping that education process. It, it, it will, and with the, the aged care, our plan is working with Sanjin is to open um, more aged care centres over the next four to five years. Mm. And as we open more, our, our model of care will become more well-known and people will, um, will, will see that people living in our homes are living a good life. We are very open to sharing our information and letting people have access to the things that we are doing and and talking to them about how they can do things differently. Mm. So it, it is a journey. It has lots and lots of challenges. And, it, and language is a big one. And I was just interviewing before you came a, a person who we were looking at to take on the CEO role. Okay. Um, and and we're definitely going to have somebody who's bilingual right. and speaks yep. English and Mandarin so that we can communicate on both sides of the spectrum. Mm. Well, it's such a fascinating area in China, the fact that China's demographic is changing so rapidly. Mm. Um, it's a really great insight into how an Australian company can really play a role in China as, as China ages in a real positive way. Um, so thanks a lot for your time today, Carol. It was great having a chat. Pleasure. My thanks to Carol for her time on the podcast and for a guide to China's national health strategy, Healthy China 2030. Please visit the episode's show notes at acbc.com.au forward slash podcasts. Sapphire International will also be speaking at ACBC's signature calendar event, Canberra Networking Day, on June 19 in Canberra. For remaining tickets and speakers, you can visit canberranetworkingday.com. Thank you also once again to the Australian Trade and Investment Commission for their support of the podcast over the last 12 months. As always, please pass on the podcast to that friend, colleague or client with a particular interest in China business issues. And for any episode suggestions or media inquiries, you can reach me at james.scullin, S-C-U-L-L-I-N, at acbc.com.au. Until next time, zai jian.